Hi, and welcome to the Good Dog Happy Baby Podcast, where we will help you prepare your dog for the arrival of your child. My name is Mike Wambacher, and I'm a professional dog trainer here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been training dogs here professionally for the last 22 years. I'm also the author of the best-selling book, Good Dog Happy Baby, an in-depth manual on how to prepare your dog for the arrival of your child. I'm joined here by my co-host and friend, Morgan Dix, who's going to help me sort through a lot of the issues you'll be facing in this exciting phase of your life. He's going to interview me, and we're going to lay out a lot of information for you to help you enable your dog to make this transition into siblinghood smooth and easy and free of hiccups. So let's not waste any more time and dive right in. All right, Mike, welcome back to the show. I've got a great question for you today. Here we go. All right. So I've noticed my dog is very protective of my child. Is this something that I should be concerned about? The short answer is absolutely yes. You should be worried about it. And I'll tell you a quick story, and then you know I'll go into it a yeah. little bit. Many years ago, uh, right around the time that I wrote my first iteration of Good Dog, Happy Baby, it was called There's a Baby in the House back then, which is probably about 19 or 20 years ago. I had a case where a woman uh, had had a baby, and they had a Doberman. And the Doberman seemed nice. They had the babysitter came over the first time. And everything was great. The dog, you know, she came in, the, the dog said hello, whatever. They went into the little nursery area. She put the baby in its bassinet and she said, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to grab this or that and I'll be right back. She left the babysitter in the room with the dog. The second she left the room, the dog went after the babysitter, viciously bit her in the breast of all places. Um, you know, wow. hospitalizations, reconstructive surgery. I mean, it was nasty. And they ended up having to put yeah. the dog down. You know, the, the people sued, and it was a big, ugly mess. So, um, yeah. and traumatic, obviously, all the way around. So, totally. yeah, if your dog is inappropriately protective over your child, it's a cause for major concern. You need to deal with it like ASAP. And um, it's a little bit of a tricky thing to have to deal with because basically, if the dog, you know, if the dog is taking that kind of quote unquote leadership role, in other words, you know, part of the leader's job is, you know, protecting, right? You know, alerting, protecting. Yeah. And uh, then the first thing that I would probably implement is a, a very solid, what we, what we call rank management program, uh, which is a yeah. series of symbolic, it's basically what's in, the, in my book. It's the first, that doggy 12 step program. I would implement that, but, the, you know, and there's, there's degrees of intensity of implementation. I would in, uh, implement it very intensely, especially heavy on obedience and, um, like, for example, with police dogs who are, you know, who are, who are selectively extremely aggressive, the way you manage that is through extremely tight, heavy-handed, top-down, hierarchical domination and obedience training, hardcore obedience training, to make sure the dog never makes decisions on its own. And I think you and I both know a dog that was trained like that, you know, professionally protection trained. And um, That's right. you remember yeah. then when we were, when, you know, some years ago when I was talking to the trainer of that dog, uh, you know, he was telling me with their protection dogs that, uh, you know, people have this idea that uh, like a German Shepherd, you know, professionally trained protection dog is going to have this intuitive sixth sense about the bad guys and the good guys and make, you know, and make lassie like decisions about who to protect when. And, uh, yeah. you know, they don't. They're, they're basically, those dogs are severely punished for even making the slightest attempt to make any decisions on their own because they're not trustworthy. So, uh, you know, by severely right, right. punished, I mean sharp collar corrections in the context of protection training. Um, but the point is they never make decisions on their own. They're trained to, to constantly look to their owners for guidance. And that's what uh, one would have to do with a dog like that, is you have to create a context where the dog absolutely looks to the owner 
at all times for decision-making, especially around the child. And that involves a lot of that stuff from the, from the rank management and, you know, sort of a, a self, a, a dominant self-assertion. You know, and, and dominant doesn't, yeah. mean, doesn't necessarily mean heavy-handed or aggressive, but it means not joking, serious, you know? Right, and, right. Um, you know, and that's the only way to de- that's the only way to deal with that. Plus, on top of that, I, you know, they should assume that if uh, the baby's around and the dog's around, the dog needs to probably be on a leash until until we really can trust him in that situation. And that kind of rewiring it, yeah. takes, it can take some time, and and one should work with a good well, a good trainer. Yeah. So that was my first question about this, Mike. Is like so. I mean, right. So you were giving the example of like the police dogs and, and this sort of, ex- that's, it's a good example because it's showing the spectrum, right? It's showing like, all right, here's the far end of the, ex- the spectrum. The, the, these dogs can't be trusted at all. You, they have to look to the owner for every cue. Correct. Now, is, and, and so these are people who are completely, the, um, the trainers who are working with these dogs, they're, they're trained. They understand how to work with dogs in this way. Is what you're talking about, is that realistic to expect, say, someone like myself who, like, has just maybe, um, you know, who grew up with dogs but doesn't have, like, any professional experience training dogs but has good relationship with dogs? Is, it, is that realistic yeah. to expect that I could yes, yeah. take my dog Definitely, yeah. to that place? Absolutely. It's not that hard. So, Okay, well, give me some examples. Well, it's not that hard. It just is that it's, it's that most people, you know, most of my clients and just most people, you know, with their dogs have an incredibly difficult time just being consistent and, you know, appropriately yeah. assertive. Yeah. You know, they're, they're everybody, you know, most yeah. people are just wishy-washy. The reason somebody like me or any other good trainer can take somebody's dog for two or three weeks and turn them into a fantastically trained dog isn't because we have any magic. It's because we're consistent. We know, you know, and we know what we're doing, yes, but like in terms of the obedience training, that a lot of that stuff is just mechanical, you know? You know, right, so you ask right. the dog to down. If he doesn't do it, here's what you do. But the the bigger part of it is to demand it every time and to be very consistent and to leave no question about, uh, you know, one's authority, basically. You know, and then that's yeah, it's more a question yeah. of self-assertion, appropriate self-assertion. And by appropriate, I mean, you know, we're not talking about just yelling and screaming and smacking the dog with newspapers. People who just get angry and then try to yell and scream their way into a, into a submissive dog to compensate for what they haven't done by actually training the dog, right? So by appropriately assertive, I don't mean abusive or, or um, haphazard. I mean taking time to train the dog, you know, showing them what the rules are, enforcing them, reinfo- yeah. uh, enforcing the rules, reinforcing behaviors we want, you know, all that stuff. And just making it very clear to the dog that we mean what we say, and we say what we mean. Now, anybody can do yeah. that if they want to. There's just what I find, what I constantly find is that people are so unbelievably ambivalent about self-assertion, yeah. appropriate self-assertion. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's basically training for both the dogs and the owners. There, there has to Definitely, be a, a, yeah. a kind of, right. So like one, a fundamental commitment on the part of the owner to establish this rank high, this this rank management system, and then number two, implicit in what I just said, yeah, you, you probably have to actually have a system that someone, both the uh, the owner and the dog can follow to then establish that, and as you said, kind of reinforce it, and and yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's and 
that's really it. And then also being very careful. You know, once a dog has shown a tendency or an inclination to bite, we have to presume that that's, uh, you know, potentially there, you know, all the time. I mean, it, so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of saying two things. On the one hand, you can train it out of a dog. On the other hand, once they've shown that kind of aggression, I would never totally, like, I certainly wouldn't trust the dog, like, in that situation of the case history I shared, alone with the baby with somebody else in the room. Yeah. You know, um, and of course I would yes, never trust the dog right. alone with the baby, period, obviously, for reasons we've covered many times. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, it's doable. It just means one has to get serious because that is a serious situation. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like it. All right, so n another related question is then, what about before your baby shows up? Are there are there signs? What should, what should we be looking for? Like, because yeah, I mean, the Doberman example again it gives you the more extreme version uh, of of, wor of worst case scenarios but what should people be looking for what would be, are there are, are the signs going to be obvious not are they going to be subtle, yeah, it depends, you know you know maybe a little bit of both to be honest i mean sometimes i mean if you've yeah. got a very weak-willed owner and a and a very strong assertive dog then you know you can you can see that kind you know and that that manifests itself in all kinds of ways you know the owner lets the dog constantly drag her down the street blow her off on obedience commands you know uh dog is constantly making demands you know in in subtle and not so subtle ways and the owner complies you know the owner is always responding to the dog rather than uh you know, setting direction, you know what I mean? So, so those are, right. those are yeah. some telltale problematic sense, but there's nothing, there's no way to really foretell because I've seen the same kind of behavior with dogs whom you wouldn't expect it from. Um, yeah. you know, the best thing you can do is to be proactive in advance by following all the stuff that, you know, we've, we've, we've been talking about for months and months and months now, which is the, the, yeah. the doggy 12 step program, preparing, making sure your dog is trained, making sure you play a leadership role and all that stuff. Um, one of the things that's, uh, you know, and I know we're going to have another uh, a podcast about this, is that, that that's problematic for people now that there's a lot of conflicting information because the purely positive training camp will tell people that the whole notion of being a pack leader, or however you want to frame that, the whole notion of hierarchy, power hierarchies in our relationships with our dogs based on pack theory, they tell people that's all wrong. That um, yeah. dogs aren't really pack animals like that. They don't really have hierarchical power structures, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of misinformation out about that. Um, and, of course, people get uh, that information and they get the opposite information is very confusing. You know, it often leaves people yeah. kind of numb <laughs> and not sure what to do. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's an issue. All right, well. I think we kind of hit it here. I mean, you there are two the two main takeaways that you're kind of highlighting is one it has to do with the ambivalence of the owners and basically just in terms of basic assertiveness and number two just being consistent. And yeah. th those were the two big t takeaways that I got from what you're saying well, Con consistently. Yeah. Yeah, go I'll, ahead. Throw, I'll throw in one little soundbite. You know, and there's a, there's a saying that I always liked, which is just, you know, there's a big difference between a dog who feels responsible to you and a dog that feels responsible for you. And then it's related. This has to do more with inappropriate protection of owners, you know, by extension of babies. But there's a, the, but the dog that feels responsible yeah. to you will look to you for direction whenever it's faced with a choice, right? The dog that feels responsible yeah. for you will assume that it has to make 
that you can't take responsibility for yourself and that it has to step in. And that's the difference between right. leadership and not. There's a difference between right. a dog that who feels sense. responsible to you and a dog who feels responsible for you. And you know, yeah. we want our dogs to feel responsible to us. Cool. All right, everybody. So if you want to take any of what we talked about further, if, if you notice these signs in your own dog, Mike, wh what do you recommend for people? What would be next steps? Uh, if you've got the dog that's already protecting the kid inappropriately, hire, a tr hire yeah. somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, read my book yep. and you'll get familiar with all that stuff. But I think at that point, you probably need to get some professional help. You know, and, and yeah. when I, you know, and then that, of course that raises the issue of well, what to look for in a trainer. And I would say somebody who's familiar with a lot of the principles that we've been talking about and who's sort of a middle ground trainer. They're not, they're not, you know, yank and jerk trainers probably won't, you know, I would never recommend them anyhow. You know, people who just like the, the solution to every problem is a yank on a choke chain. So, you know, avoid, yeah. avoid those kind of people at the same time, avoid the people who's like, you know, who are into, Oh, it's always clickers and treats and positive reinforcement, and we don't, you know, we don't use compulsion. You want to find somebody who's familiar with the whole range of training um, methods and is flexible in applying them without being dogmatic. Yeah, no pun intended. That sounds great. And and then, in terms of your own work, obviously, the book "Good Dog Happy Baby," that everyone you can find at gooddoghappybaby.com or on Amazon. That's been a bestseller now for years, but as Mike alluded to, he in the beginning of his book, he has this 12-step doggy training program, and it's all about implementing a rank management system. So really putting in place the fundamentals that Mike spoke about in terms of getting your dog to actually look to you and feel responsible to you instead of for you. So that, that's something really, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, you would recommend for everyone... Anyways, no matter what, if you've got a baby coming, these are just like you're cr crossing your T's and dotting your I's. You you want to you want to do this doggy twelve step program, anyways. Yeah, um, definitely. So, yes. yeah, check that out. If you want to take it a step further, if you want to get more direct guidance from Mike, then I recommend the Good Dog Happy Baby video course, which you can get over on GoodDogHappyBaby.com. That's a mouthful. And check out the course. Mike, you want to just give like a brief one-minute synopsis of the, the two modules of the course here? Yeah, the first module, both modules are about 90 minutes. first one is about preparing a dog for childlike handling, which I think is probably the most important one of the two, uh, because that's, you know, at eight months old when that baby starts crawling then, uh, and starts grabbing at the dog and cornering it, uh, we want to make sure we have prepared the dog for that kind of thing, and that's, that's where people end up getting rid of their dogs often. So that's the first one, and then the second one is just how to deal with a dog that's just generally anxious around kids, how to start to desense, introduce him to the presence of children and desensitize him, uh, you know, before baby arrives. And, they, you know, and the two are bundled together. They work together well, but you can also buy them, buy them a la carte. Right. So everybody, if, you, if you're interested in the video course, I highly recommend it. We've gotten great feedback on the course. Head on over to gooddoghappybaby.com. It's a self-paced video course. Uh, you sign up for the email list, you'll get a discount right away for a week. The discount lasts for a week. It's a, you know, it's a significant discount on an already relatively discounted course. So check it out. 
And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Mike, thanks, as always, for leading us through some of these really interesting questions. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Till next time, everyone. Bye. Bye.